happy weekend to all and thank you once again for tuning in to our program Ephatha. In today's episode we will study and understand the term Ecclesia, commonly translated in English as church. But first let me share with you our learning objectives. First is to compare the common understanding and the concept of church in relation with the Savior's teachings and presentation. Second is to learn about the more accurate English translation of Ecclesia instead of the word church. And third is to understand the teaching of the Christ on the Ecclesia that he promised to build in Matthew 16 verse 18 to be that of the holy city or new Jerusalem that he is currently building in heaven. We will continue in our studies when we return. Are you ready for the truth? For over 2,000 years, the message of the Christ, Yeshua, has been twisted, altered, and tailored to fit the different messengers from different time frames. That will stop today. Here's your disciple friend. He'll meticulously deliver to you the Lord's evangelical truth. Before we proceed with our evangelical exposition, I'd like to ask everyone to first consider putting aside any of your presupposed notions from any and all previously learned doctrines, and instead study with us with an open and unbiased mind. After the study, we then encourage you to weigh down the truth that we always present here with the doctrine that you have received from your church. From there, you can decide to cling on to whatever you value and believe as truth. One of the many teachings of the Savior that Christianity either partially or completely misunderstood is that of Ecclesia, and it is vaguely translated in English as church. Its closest translation should be congregation, gathering, or assembly. Now, regardless of any church complete presentation of this topic, the bottom line is that all of them believe that the term church refers to a body of believers as being of an organized group. And what naturally comes of being organized? First comes structure and leadership and rules and regulations. And anyone's disregard of those things just mentioned above almost guaranteed one being frowned upon or even dismembered from the church. Now let me be very upfront about this perspective. This is not the concept of the Savior about His Ecclesia. On the contrary, this is the perfect climate that caused the creation of a cult movement of what is now Christianity. A movement that is more enslaving in contrast with the Lord's program of discipleship that He initiated and promoted, which is very liberating. As already mentioned, the term church is what has become the common translation of what is in the original Greek as Ecclesia. However, that is not the most accurate word to have been used in the English language. If so, what then would have been a more accurate translation? For us to get the answer to this specific question, let us first find out the etymology and the meaning of the original word Ecclesia, which is in Kini, or the common Greek in the time of the Savior. From Baker's Evangelical Dictionary, as presented by the website BibleStudyTools.com, here's what we can read. Definition of the Church The New Testament word for church is ecclesia, which means the called out ones. In classical Greek, 
The term was used almost exclusively for political gatherings. In particular, in Athens, the word signified the assembling of the citizens for the purpose of conducting the affairs of the police. Moreover, Ecclesia referred only to the actual to the actual meeting, not to the citizens themselves. When the people were not assembled, they were not considered to be the Ecclesia. The word Ecclesia is classical Greek for the called out ones, and during the time of the Lord on earth was only used to refer to the gathering or gatherings. What else should we understand about the Greek word Ecclesia? This term referred only to the actual meeting or gathering and not to the citizens themselves in such that the Ecclesia only exists when people are actually assembled. Now there are two things that we would like you all to be objective and be very logical. First, instead of the English word church, the more accurate English translation for Ecclesia should have been either A. Gathering B. Assembly or C. Congregation And any one of these English words would have served the translation better. And second, the fact that Ecclesia only exists when people are actually gathered and cease to exist when they are dismissed only proves that this concept could not mean to be an organization as what has become with all churches around the world since the very beginning. Now how then does the Savior describe this gathering or assembly of His believers and what does He promise to them that He will do? Let us begin reading the Gospel in Matthew 18, verses 17 until 20 from the complete Jewish Bible. If he refuses to hear them, tell the congregation. And if he refuses to listen even to the congregation, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Yes, I tell you people that whatever you prohibit on earth will be prohibited in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. To repeat, I tell you that if two of you here on earth agree about anything people ask, it will be for them from my Father in heaven. For wherever two or three are assembled in my name, I am there with them. The Savior made mention of a congregation on earth. But first, allow me to clarify verse 17, when the Savior taught about treating someone who refuses to listen even from the congregation as a pagan and tax collector. But what's what's the need for clarification? Because a common misunderstanding among the majority of churches is that the Lord in this instance was teaching about judging or condemning certain sinners. In fact, They made this statement of the Christ as their doctrinal basis for their church doctrine on expulsion or delisting a sinful member from their church or congregation. How are they very wrong in their supposition? It is because that was not what the Savior meant. Why are we sure? In our past studies, we have presented the true character and mindset of the Savior of being non-judgmental and non-condemning. Just read John 8 verses 13 until 15. 
Also John 12, verses 46 to 48, for further proof. What then does the Lord mean by treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector? He simply meant to be not bothered anymore by this kind of a person, meaning to not take him seriously. Now going back to our study, what does the Savior want his disciples to do? That he even promised to be there with them. He wants them to assemble or congregate in his name. That is why in verse 17, he referred to it as a congregation. Who are these people desired by the Savior to assemble or congregate in his name? The same group of people who are special to the Savior in such that whatever they agree on earth, the Father will approve of them in heaven. Can we be more specific? Yes, they are the same people, the Lord's disciples in John 8.31, those whom he has made kings and praises unto God, as recorded in Revelations 5.10, the people whom he liberated by his word and not enslaved. How big has to be a gathering or congregation for the Lord to be involved in their gathering? He said, for wherever two or three are assembled in my name, I am there with them. Now, why are we sure that this gathering or assembly or congregation in the name of the Christ is not like an organized group or corporate church? Because going back to the very meaning of Ecclesia, it referred only to the actual meeting, not to the citizens themselves. When the people were not assembled, they were not considered to be the Ecclesia. Can any of today's churches claim this to be true in their organization? The fact that they are an organization and have to be registered with the law of the land proves otherwise. Especially when the law allows for a separation of church and state. Now how did the Savior, the Christ Yahshua, prove to us that indeed his teaching about Ecclesia only points to the actual gathering among his followers or disciples and not to a body or organization. How did he invalidate the claim of many of today's major Christian bodies that the Ecclesia pinpointed by the Savior is an organization that is on earth? Here's how. It's recorded in the book of John in chapter 3. Verses 5 until 8. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Savior here talks about those who are born again. Who are they? They are those who, re who receive the kingdom of God because they were born of water and the Spirit. Which water are they born into? The living water of the Christ as recorded in John 7 verses 37 and 38. And that is the word of Christ being itself the Spirit and life, as you can read in John 6, verse 63. 
Thus, those who are born again are those who are baptized or immersed in the living water, the word and truth of the Christ, Yahshua. Once again, if we expand our study, those who are truly born again are those who abide in the word of the Christ and thus his disciples, as very well recorded in John 8 verse 31. Now, how could it be that the gathering, assembly, or congregating of disciples and believers could not be attributed to any organization on earth? Because the Lord likened them to the wind. How so? He stated the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So if they are like the wind, then you will feel its breeze when it's present, and not feel it when it is not present. Now how is this analogy applicable with the ecclesia or organization or gathering in the Lord's name? The same is the logic of the disciples' ecclesia. It cannot be an organization when it only exists during an actual gathering and cease to exist when the assembly is dispersed. Now, how does Christianity in general teach that the congregation of the Lord's disciples and believers have to be an organization? This has been made a Christian doctrine among most churches starting with the Roman Catholic Church. How would they try to back up this doctrine with scriptures? With their misunderstanding of the Lord's evangelical mention of the term Ecclesia as recorded in Matthew 16, 18. And let us read what is recorded. Matthew 16, 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Let me first clarify that the, that in the original Greek, that which was tran translated into the English word church, was ecclesia. We already studied how it should have been translated as gathering or assembly or congregation, and not church. Anyway, how do many Christian churches interpret this scripture, this gospel of the Lord? They teach that the Savior built his church while he was still on earth, then continued to match it with Paul's interpretation of ecclesia or church to be that of the Savior's body composed of members and different offices as recorded in Colossians 1.18, in 1 Corinthians 12.27, as well as in Romans 12.4-5, among, among many other verses. I'm referring here to Paul, the self-proclaimed apostle and writer of most of the New Testament. What comes with Paul's structured concept of the Lord's teaching on Ecclesia? A conclusion that the Ecclesia promised to be built by the Christ is indeed an organization on earth. This is an erroneous understanding of the Lord's teaching, and we will prove that in our study today. But first, what shows the universality of this understanding among the majority of Christian groups. Most Christian churches somehow end up with an explanation how their particular church group is supposed to be the one, the one church built by the Savior as recorded in Matthew 16 verse 18. In fact, they all fight over this 
particular verse and each of them stake an exclusive claim on being the church mentioned therein who among them had started this very shallow and cultist concept of church my apologies to my catholic friends but it was the roman catholic church and all other cult oriented groups just followed their lead now how could all these churches with hundreds and even thousands of years behind them be dead wrong in their understanding of the Lord's Ecclesia or congregation. There is then an obvious need for us to take a closer look on the statement of the Savior in Matthew 16, 18. I hope you stay with us, my dear friends and fellow believers, in the continuation of our study. Now, what is the first mistake or oversight among most of Christianity on their understanding of Matthew 16, 18? They look into this verse through the lens of Paul, the self-proclaimed apostle. He should have no business explaining this gospel. Now, how could we say that unto someone whose writings were included in the New Testament canon? Simply because he was not the one who was given the wisdom on this truth. Here's a fact that not too many believers know. At the time when the Savior taught the apostles about his teachings on God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, as well as the ecclesia or assembly that he promised to build, where was Paul? Paul was not yet in the picture. How then could he have had a clear understanding of this topic when he did not hear it from the Lord? There is just no way. Who then was given the understanding concerning the Lord's Ecclesia in Matthew 16 verse 18? And thus should be the keynote speaker on this subject. The verse in focus is Matthew 16 verse 18. We can read the answer in verse 19. But first, let us read the whole thing, verses 18, and the first part of verse 19. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The Lord promised Apostle Peter the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What does the keys of the kingdom of heaven signify? A complete understanding on the Lord's Ecclesia or assembly in the kingdom of heaven. Let us then open our ears of understanding from the teaching of the lone key holder or holder of the truth about this gospel of the Christ, the valiant apostle of the Lord, Apostle Peter. Referencing back to Matthew 16 verse 18, let us ask Apostle Peter the following key points for clarifications. First, who is the rock upon whom the ecclesia is built? Second, what is being built? What is being built up by the Savior? And third, how could the gates of Hades not prevail against it? Since Apostle Peter was given the understanding on this teaching, he should be the one to give us these clarifications. Now moving on to the first clarification, who is the rock upon whom the ecclesia is being built? 
in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Here's Apostle, here's Apostle Peter giving the answer to our first point of clarification. Who is the rock upon whom the promised ecclesia is to be built on? Peter testified, the rock of offense is the same chief cornerstone, and he is none other than the Savior, the Lord Yahshua. Our first point of or our first point for clarification has been cleared. The rock is the Savior, the Lord Yahshua. Now, where is the ecclesia that is being built up? Because it is being built on the rock, then logically, wherever the rock is, meaning that in the same place, the ecclesia is present. And where is the rock situated at present time? He is in heaven with God, building something for his disciples. How about the ecclesia that is being built on him? Of course, it is in the same place. It is also in heaven. For how could it be on earth when the rock where it is built on is not on earth but in heaven? So the understanding that the Lord's Ecclesia, as mentioned in Matthew 16 verse 18, is an organization that is present on earth, is proven to be unscriptural and even illogical, and therefore it is an erroneous view. Now what evangelical truth validates this presentation? This leads us, this will lead us to our second point for clarification. What is being built up by the Savior? Once again, we will refer to Him who was given the keys or understanding concerning the Lord's promised Ecclesia, as well as the Kingdom of Heaven, the Apostle Peter. What we read earlier is 1 Peter 2 verses 7 and 8. We will just bring a reading up to verses 4 and 5. Coming to Him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, as you, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let me take a moment to remind you why we are leaning on the explanation of Peter concerning the Lord's Ecclesia that he promised in Matthew 16 verse 18 and not on Paul's presentation as most of Christianity do. It is simply because Apostle Peter was the one given the keys or understanding about the kingdom of heaven and also about the Ecclesia of the, of the Lord that he promised to build in Matthew 16 verse 18. And so we ask Apostle Peter, what is being built up by the Lord for his disciples? Peter declared, they are being built up a spiritual house. How could the Ecclesia be a house? Because he who promised to build is himself a builder. A master builder, in fact. Let's take a good note. 
that the Lord Yahshua was a son of a carpenter. And Peter was very aware of this fact. Now what logical conclusion then can we draw from the fact that which is being built up is a spiritual house? The fact that it is a spiritual house once again proves that it is not an earthly organization like all these proliferating Christian churches and groups. What is the spiritual house being built up by the Savior? This is the home or gathering place that He prepared for His disciples that He promised in John 14 verse 2 when He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Where is this spiritual house being built? In His Father's house. Therefore in heaven. Friends, allow me to repeat myself and bring to your attention or bring your attention unto this logical and most importantly evangelical fact that has been overlooked by most of Christianity. And what is that? That the Lord's Ecclesia or the gathering place that He builds is a spiritual house in heaven. In fact, in His Father's house. That's the evangelical aspect of it. Now what is the logical validity of this understanding? It brings us back to the, to the fact that the rock or the Savior is in heaven. Therefore, that which is built upon Him is also there where He is, in heaven. Could any other explanation be more logical than this? Now why is there a need for the Christ? To build the ecclesia or the future gathering place of the Lord's disciples in heaven and not on earth. What is the evangelical reason as well as the logical aspect of this? The answer to this has everything to do with our third clarification. Which is, how could the gates of Hades not prevail against it? Once again, we will refer to the key holder the full authority on this topic. And he is none other than Apostle Peter. How did Peter describe the spiritual house, which is the final gathering of the Lord's disciples in heaven? Let me read to you what is recorded in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 until 5. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Friends, please stay with us as we try to understand why the ecclesia or gathering place that the Lord Yahshua promised is being built or prepared in heaven. In the presentation of Peter, there is an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away, meaning it is everlasting. Where is this inheritance at present time? It is reserved in heaven to be revealed in the last time. But why in heaven? To be kept by the power of God. Why are we sure that this inheritance in heaven is indeed the place of gathering, the spiritual house or ecclesia that the Lord promised to build in Matthew 16 verse 18? In biblical proportion, when inheritance is promised, it usually refers to a place, a land, where God wants His people to call home. Just read Exodus 
32 verse 13 and also in 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 36 those verses will prove my point isn't the spiritual house being built by the Savior a home indeed it is as a matter of fact it is the future home it is the final home of his disciples in heaven now here's the logical aspect that would answer the third clarification on Matthew 16 verse 18 that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it how how could the gates of Hades not prevail over it to begin with what is the gates of Hades that the Savior mentioned in this verse well Hades is the ancient Greeks Lord of the underworld or darkness the phrase gates of Hades simply points to the kingdom of darkness now why did the Lord reference to the gates of Hades when it is not even part of the Jewish faith he did so to show that not even the world's power of darkness can prevail against it now what is one aspect of darkness that usually overcome man and everything else in the world the corruption of man and all of its related powers and influences fact is there is nothing in the world that is not subject to corruption let us not look too far among all the churches from around the world who claim to be the body of the Christ or the church of the Christ is there any one of them that has not been subjected to corruption and scandals not one starting with the Roman Catholic Church being one of the oldest or probably the oldest to the most recently established church in fact everything that is governed by man is corrupted by the simple fact that man is by nature corrupt now what big conclusions can we draw from the three clarifications of Matthew 16 verse 18 that we just studied that the ecclesia gathering assembly or congregation of the Lord's true disciples is not contained in any earthly organization including churches what is it then the ecclesia that the Lord promised his disciples in Matthew 16 verse 18 is their final gathering or home reserved in heaven and protected by the power of God to be revealed at his appointed time now how did the Lord present his ecclesia or gathering place and all its glory to another one of his apostles this time we will turn to Apostle John as he was the one who was given the vision of this holy and most glorious place in Revelation 21 verses 2 until 3 as well as in verses 9 until 11 then I John saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people God himself will be with them and be their God the ecclesia or final gathering and home promised by the Lord is none other than the holy city the new Jerusalem how is this ecclesia revealed by a voice from heaven unto the apostle John the voice from heaven said behold the tabernacle of God the ecclesia in Matthew 16 verse 18 is the tabernacle of God in the same manner the building of the ecclesia or spiritual house on the rock the Christ Yahshua 
is the fulfillment of the prophesied sanctuary as prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 8 in verse 14. Friends, we encourage you all to reflect on the entire 21st chapter of Revelation and pray that you may already feel the glory beheld by the Savior, that you may also see the quality of life that you can also live and experience in the final ecclesia or gathering, the final home of God's people and of His Son's disciples. We ask you once again to keep an open mind. Those who are closed-minded remain enslaved and victimized by the lies taught by the false prophets of the world. This is your disciple friend leaving you the joy and peace of the Lord Yahshua, the Christ. Until next time. You've just been served the truth of the Savior. Please continue to listen to our show, Ephatha, and let your minds be open to the Lord's message. We also invite you to visit our website at www.spiritualhouse.info and be baptized with the living water of the Lord and King, Yeshua Christos.